The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, welcome you to Porch Talk. Hey. This is your host, Alan. And I have Chris Bierdo. Did I get that part right? It's it's a hard one. Berardo. It's, okay, it's, uh, Berardo. <laughs> and, uh, You're not the first one to mangle that. So. We're, doing a, uh, we're doing a Zoom call here this evening. And... Uh, Man, I'm I'm excited. So uh, this is a big time. This is the 25th anniversary of uh, your first record, and you're doing a re-release now of American Dust, right? That's right. Yeah, 25 years. I, I can't believe it. You know, I just blinked my eyes. We, I wasn't even aware of it, and we were. It had never been up on uh, any of the platforms or available digitally. So we were just thinking about. How, how come we never did that? You know, we always just sold it out of the trailer or at the shows. And uh, as we were talking about, well, let's get it up there. And, and then I just did a little math and thought, oh, man, it's been 25 years this year. So it seemed like a good time to talk about it a little and, uh, you know, spread the word around. So it's been fun. It's been fun. Yeah, man. And just to uh, just to walk it back a little bit, tell me a little bit about uh, you. Where did you grow up at? Well, I grew up in... Um, Westchester County is right outside New York City. It's, it, it touches on it. And um, went to high school in Nershell, New York, which is like on the almost on the border of the Bronx. But um, we're, we're about 40 minutes maybe from the heart of the city. You know? And, um, and uh, so that was it. We were kind of like uh, it's, a, it's the first suburb of, of New York City. So it was it was a great place to grow up because you could be as a kid, you could be downtown looking for adventure in and in you know, like I said, in 30, 40 minutes, but you were also, you know, out of all that. And, uh, you know, it was nice up where we grew up, up there in the, in the country almost. So we're in the woods anyway. <laughs> right on. And so, I mean, what about like uh, why you were in middle school and high school and just, you know, coming into your years, um, was, was music always what you were into? What was you into when you were in high school? Yeah. I was like, well, I played football in high school and it wasn't like, you know, like I did everything. And I actually kind of was more uh, just did that sort of, you know, parties and football and girls. But um, on the side, I always had a band going like with another bunch of friends of mine. I was always like, it's kind of a secret at school. But since I was 14, um, there's a guy who lived down the street from me, Kenny Krause, and he was 16, which made him like worldly, you know, like he knew, he knew stuff. <laughs> he knew how to like get stuff done and he had a car. And he had a basement with a with some amplifiers in it. So I was always uh, putting together a band with him and and doing that as well. And then it wasn't until like you know right after a um, couple years after high school that I kind of really started to dial in on it for sure. But I always knew that's what I 
I wanted to do. And it was always kind of there. I knew I wasn't going to continue playing football. I'll tell you that. (laughs) And uh, so when you started to uh, cut your teeth into music, was guitar your first instrument? No, I don't even play guitar. I'm the only guy. I mean, people all just figure that I do. But um, I don't even really play guitar. I write the songs on the piano. I mean, I don't play guitar. Um, I write the songs on piano, and I don't even really play it on stage. I'm just the kind of singer front guy. But um, I've always worked. That's why I've always been in band formats all my life. And that's why, like I said, when I was 14, I wanted to find some guys um, who could, you know, play this stuff so I could stand up there and sing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just front it, right? Yeah, I like it up there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's great. And so tell me a little bit about influence. Like when you were first getting exposed to music and like when it would come time for you to begin uh, writing these songs, uh, who were some of the influences uh, on you? Well, you know, it was real, you know, it was an eclectic time because, you know, I'm not a kid and, it, and, you know, like having this album that's 25 years old. And uh, so when I was growing up, the Radio and here in New York, there was something called WABC AM radio, uh, 77 on your on your dial. And it was so fantastic and so eclectic that like no kidding, you would hear it was like no big deal to hear um, a song by Yes, like a hit record, like Roundabout. And then the next song would be by The Temptations. And the next song would be Neil Young. And the next these were like the hits of the day. Joni Mitchell and then Deep Purple. So that was, you know, the first thing I did was tune in at that station for years. And that really formed me in terms of just thinking more about songs and what are good songs more than what kind of songs they are. You know, I just uh, I just gravitated towards like, the, you know, things that were songs and singing. Um, so that left me kind of while um, wide open. But I did, you know, and then I and I did a lot of different things. And I would, you know, you get into any kind of band you can get into when you're 15 or 16 or you know, just I'd go to auditions and just want to get the gig and and do something and and do the style of music they were doing. But later on, when I came back to what I really loved, I found myself kind of falling into the place of sort of I loved those Southern rock bands when I was a kid and the Roots rock bands and Neil Young and the Eagles and things that they used to call country rock. But that's kind of a that's a bad term now because a lot of that's not great. I I think in my opinion, but it was um. Yeah. I just sort of fell back into the just like American rock stuff, the Eagles and Bob Seger and, and uh, you know, um, John Fogarty, stuff like that, that um, that was kind of, I guess, the thing that tickled me the most. So I started to kind of write more into that. And I've been in these heavier bands and pop bands and heavy pop bands and bands in L.A. that were always on the edge of getting a record deal. And because of that, you had to sort of write a certain way or you thought you did. But um, I always wanted to be more about songs and, and singing. And, and that seemed like a, a place for my youth that where I was always comfortable. And it, it's, it's kind of where I fell into now. So. Yeah. And so like, tell me a little bit about like New York City during that time when you, you were first breaking into the scene. And like I'm from uh, Alabama. And so when I think about New York City, I, I just, you know, the typical New Yorker, very tough, very, you know, Mm-hmm. To chew you up, spit yeah. you out, and it's really gonna it's gonna test you. Yeah. Is, that, is that what that scene was like then? Like trying to get yeah. in there? New York's tough, absolutely. Uh that's one of the great things about it. Um, you know, it's the old story, like a lot of places, but New York uh people are tough and when you were a kid to make your bones them out. I moved 
I lived down there in a drug ho- drug hotel when I was like 19 or something. And, uh, you know, it was a rough place to be. But New York's also the greatest place to be. There's so, especially then so much going on, so much music, so much culture. Uh, the, the town would rough you up all day. And then at the end of the day, you'd feel like you won something, <laughs> like you survived. So, yeah. so I loved it. Um, but it was it was a better music town, I, I would say, than it is now. Like a lot of places, you know, um, for rock bands. Anyway, Bleecker Street was still happening down in Greenwich Village. It was changed and it was later, later incarnation of that. But you could walk up and down that street and hear 12 bands and sit in at four different open mics and jam nights and meet musicians and, you know, go in and to the bitter end and buy a ticket and see a great um, original band. It, it was um, it was good. It was competitive like a lot of towns like New York, LA, Nashville, where people get off the bus and come there. So you get all the best guys from all the other towns that come there to, you know, see what they can do. And because of that, you get great people, but it's real competitive. And um, yeah, it's not a town for the timid. <laughs> yeah. So, but um, I, 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 love, I met great musicians and great people uh, just as far as a bunch of guys to play music with and then to write music with. And then, uh, later on, business guys that you know I fell in with when I was about twenty that really were kind of big deal guys, and I wasn't going to stumble into that in another town. So that um, that helped me a lot to really get started and focused on this being a real thing instead of just uh, a way for me and that guy Kenny Krasny to drink beer in the basement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like walk me back, and I'm just I'm I'm just looking over like the the press for this is. Uh, do you remember where you were uh, performing when Bill Alcoin? Uh, oh yeah, well there, that's a good example. Yeah, like I do remember. That's a good example because I was, um, I was, you know, playing places like a place called Great Gildersleeves in the on the Bowery. That was a rough joint, and um, a place called Tracks on Seventy Second Street. We were kind of we would play there all the time. And that was like the kind of main place to play in New York then. And I stumbled into a some it's a it's a pretty long story but i stumbled into some people who uh, brought me to him pretty round about uh, a guy who put my band in the studio put a lot of money up um uh gave me a hotel to live in in new york and then started nosing around for who might be interested and through that some big producers and this guy bill O'Coin uh came in through that they said you know um why don't you come down in here we think we believe a little bit in what this guy uh, is doing and at the time, he had uh, already made Kiss. They'd already, you know, broken and made it. were huge. And he was just finishing up his time with them. He was their original guy who, who really made that happen. And he was just starting with a guy named Billy Idol, who not just starting, but they were probably on their second album, just starting to break him right then. It was right before Rebel Yell. And um, so he was a big guy, and a, you know, powerful guy in the business. And um, I was lucky to meet him. Like I said, that's a great thing about New York is you can, the proximity. And we were in these big studios with a big producers guy. Like at the time I remember it was Gary Lyons who produced the Stones and Foreigner and Queen and Grateful Dead. And, um, you know, we were lucky enough to be in these situations. And uh, so Bill came in and he was into it and he became really a mentor and a friend to me. He's a, he's a brilliant guy. So he was, he's gone now, but he's, He's a maniac. He was, you know, like a lot of brilliant people are, he was um, a whirlwind. But he taught me a lot of the precepts that I still uh, now feel about this business and making music and life, just about um, no sense holding back and, you know, like, uh, you know, just not doing it 
a hundred percent is for suckers. <laughs> That's one thing he taught me. So, yeah, so I was lucky there with guys like that. Yeah. And just to go back to American Dust, just for a second to uh, talk about that. Uh, this is the re-release, but I, I really have enjoyed sitting down with it. And oh. like, I've, I've really enjoyed like uh, the thought you had behind it. And like, just to quote you right here uh, with the, album track is it's a song about community possibility uh exploring the big broad idea of what life and what america is about and like you know and who doesn't love big big broad first off yeah (laughs) um yeah i do that was um kind of when i just had come back from you know we just talked about in in new york and then those people years later uh um allowed me to go out to la to do some things through them you know one thing kind of you got it with bob crew right yeah, right. They put me together with the great pop crew, who's a Hall of Fame songwriter, wrote all the Four Seasons songs, basically, and uh, Lady Marmalade, and just a lot of great things. And um, so I, I was doing that, and L.A. just proved to me to be, um, it was just getting musically a little different than I wanted to be. And, it, um, and I enjoyed my time there, and I had a great band and these great people I worked with, but it was just the time when they were you know all hair metal and it just you know i realized uh, i think this is my best bet because i could go to new york where it was still more of a uh, musical town to me for what i did so um but then uh yeah when i it was when i got back from the la years that uh i put started put together american dust and like we talked about before i was just thinking about if i'm gonna it was kind of a restart you know i really thought i'd had my chances in new york and la and that i was kind of done and um boy not too bad but i knew i was always going to make music and i thought well forget trying to get the big record deal that we were always on the edge of and forget the big managers and producers i'm gonna see what i can do just just to make music and if i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do just what i want i'm not gonna do anything (laughs) except if i'm gonna be poor and unknown i'm gonna play the stuff i want to play and write the stuff i want to and um so that year i came uh, back here and actually we always laugh and say that it's the year we met, but my brother and I, Mark Douglas Berardo, who's a, um, a singer songwriter guy, but he wasn't yet then. He had just t- was, he was younger than me and we kind of had never spent that much time together because he was kind of a kid. We were like 10 years different. And uh, I saw that he had taken up the guitar. And- the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We, I said, well, come along here. And we just, when he dove in and we just went out in the bars and played, you know, like anybody's songs we could think of and four sets a night and drinking all the tequila and having a great time. It was great. And we were good at it. 
And then that got me into, like we were saying, that got me into thinking about, well, I love all these old songs. Why, why isn't that the kind of thing that I'm writing for myself? Why isn't that the, you know, it suits me. It makes me happy. So uh, with his help, we, you know, we did all of that for a couple of years. And that's when I started writing new songs on American Dust that um, are kind of, are more, way more country than I've been, you know, and, uh, and, and even than I am now, it just, I needed to restart. Like I had to clear the decks and uh, just start over. And I thought, well, I'm gonna, you know, I wrote some country songs and some rootsy rock songs. And uh, that was kind of just to zero things out and it felt good. So um, that, that's how kind of that happened. It was just coming back to New York and floundering and crashing my parents' house and thinking, well, well I got to think of something to do here. And why don't I just do what I love? <laughs> right on. And so like, uh, just, just through the years, like, uh, Tell me a little bit about some of the guys you work with, like Tom or uh, just. Well, that we got that band going. Yeah, right when I got back, uh, like I said, my brother, who to this day plays, you know, he's a he's a well known singer songwriter guy, but he um, he still plays in my band when when possible. Um, so that's the that's really one of the longest uh, musical relationships I've had, which is that's stuck from then, and so have some other a couple other things. A guy named uh, Dick Neal, who. I met it. I put an ad out and uh, I needed a, like a guitar player and he played things like um, lap steel and Dobro and stuff where like that I was looking for. And I didn't know that crowd, you know, but uh, that was, I had moved up to Connecticut by then. And, um, you know, so I've met him fortunately through this ad and we hit it off and had the same musical ideas and he knew the scene in Connecticut. So between him and my brother, Mark, and then we uh, knew this guy, Tom Arata, from a cover band I had been in after high school. And um, his, he's a ridiculously great bass player and singer. He was in the Indigo Girls and um, among other things. And uh, his brothers, Jerry Murata and Rick Murata, are have played on every record in your record collection from the 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. James Taylor, Jackson Brown, uh, just everybody. And Tommy is their brother and equally talented but um so he sort of that was the the uh nucleus of that band that still like i said exists to this day i mean tommy's still a great friend dick neil produced with me american dust that we're talking about and then he produced the next record i made and the next two um and he was kind of the the core of it um there was another guy when tommy couldn't come out with us named pete zamansky who engineered american dust and we did something in his bedroom and on eight-track tapes and uh, anywhere we could. And these are guys that I still know. Uh, I was lucky to know them. I love these guys. And uh, it was it's, it was the nucleus of this kind of, in a way, the band I still have. Like, you know, guys come in and out over the years, but that was a, a lucky stroke of finding guys who played the kind of stuff and sang the way I was kind of hoping to rebuild myself as. <laughs> uh, to my understanding, I don't think this place exists anymore, but... Uh... I know during the heyday you were there is, do you have any stories from CBGBs? Ah, yeah, I do. <laughs> well, for instance, I never played there because it was a, you know, heavy, heavy joint. It had, to, it was a mess and a, you know, you've probably seen them all the documentaries and all. It was a hellish place, but it absolutely had the best PA in New York. It, it sounded no matter what the band was or whether they knew or cared, that it sounded incredible in there. Um, you didn't ever, ever want to go in the bathroom. You'd never, that'd be, that's, that's it. You'd be, you never come out. That's a, it was a very uh, dicey place. Um, and 
I went there one night to see uh, the aforementioned Tommy Murata. His neighbor was a guy named Timmy Capella. You ever seen like the big bodybuilder, long haired guy in Tina Turner's band for years? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Tony, yeah, yeah. He, he was he, like, everybody came out of this little neighborhood in Harrison, New York. I, I can make you a list of these incredible musicians. And uh, Timmy was playing um, uh, one night. And as you do it at sometimes at CB's, he was going on at 4 a.m. That's the time. It wasn't even like a mistake. They're like, you know, listed it in the village voice at 4 a.m. <laughs> and he did like a porno rock show <laughs> it's just insane and um i remember going to that and i remember that I, there was a friend from italy a friend of my father's a business associate of my father's and his uh his kid was staying with us for the summer and didn't speak much english and didn't understand new york city and suffice to say that i just watched him leave his wallet out on the bar twice while somebody grabbed it i, <laughs> I watched him wander away out onto uh uh, to the Bowery with some people that I know would have rolled him. I had to like watch this, this guy all night long. <laughs> That's my, one of my memories of CBs is that like, you got to keep your head on a swivel in there, you know, but there were great bands and I was, I was too young to for the heyday of it. But, um, uh, you know, it was, it was a place for a long time that everybody aspired to play. And, um, and that's when New York was, you know, it was Patti Smith and talking heads and, um that was you know i was probably in la when that really cool downtown stuff was happening um but uh, that was what was great about new york that's you know all the artists that i mean the real art folks were there at that time and you know like paris in certain years there you know the, that's where everybody was at that moment and i was glad i was a train ride away <laughs> all right zoom is telling me we have less than nine minutes before they are going to conclude this for us but oh, uh man. i've got uh five questions for you uh to walk it out of the door and this is i'm having a great time uh spending time with you here but uh, Wait, before you ask me a question alan you got to tell where where in alabama are you from uh kennedy it is uh just is outside that? of tuscaloosa and it's about an hour and a half west of birmingham all right because i had a i had a girlfriend uh around this time of american dust who was from uh enterprise I know, know that is? Enterprise is not far from me. It's near Dothan. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, and I'm getting mixed because I lived down in uh, Mobile for a spell. But yeah, Enterprise and all that, yeah, okay. on, the, on the coast. Yeah, yeah. I remember because I was once at a, at a Shoney's, I'll tell you this quick, and um, the waitress knew I wasn't from there. We were in um, Enterprise, and the waitress said to the girl I was with, she goes, he looks like he's from the city. And she said, yeah, he is. And she goes, Dothan? because <laughs> that was the next big city they you know yeah. <laughs> but so that's great i loved it down there it's a beautiful part of the world so well just for our audience and uh for them to uh better get to know you is not only just with the re-release of american dust but uh just a little bit about your music and uh songwriting is uh what do you what do you want the porch talk audience to know about like uh your music well, uh, like I said, it's uh, that it's it's taken me years. Again, I'm not 15. It took me a long time to really settle into what I think is my point of view, and you know the way I really sing, the kind of songs I really feel represent me, and the music I love. And so, you know, I went like I said back to the roots and some country things, and now it sort of sits in the middle with the, you know, I grew up in a lot of great pop rock and um you know so I, I think now just you know american sounding rock with some 
acoustic instruments. It just hits me always in the right way. And I just hope it's, um, you know, just honest music, songs with singing. I love singing with other guys, um, uh, harmonies, that uh, that stuff matters to me. So I think if you like, um, you know, songs and guys who really play, that's, um, you know, that's all I've ever kind of shot for. <laughs> right on. And uh, I wanted to ask this is, uh, like, as far as shows you've done over the years, like, uh, where, where do you say was your best show? Uh, as a memory, I know I, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you know. I, I know that um, the ones when someone asked me that come to mind are always we did a um, we've gotten to play shows with guys I love, like and like like me and you're talking about the kind of music I thought back. Well, what do I love? And been so lucky to play with a lot of the southern guys, like a lot of shows with Tucker and um, you know those kind of bands and Dickie Betts. We did a lot of stuff with. Um, and, but I loved um, in America. We've been lucky enough to play with a bunch and hope to again. But I was crazy for the Doobie Brothers. You know, they're Doobie Brothers. Yeah, they're so great. Oh, and yeah. we did a bunch of shows with them at different times. And, and, um, and the last three or four times that we had played with them, they were nice enough to always ask us to come out for the encore and sing, listen to music with them. And they're just great dudes. And they didn't need to be like, they, they really um were cool to us and um you know just made us feel like big shots but um but the last the, the last two times we had played with uh i don't know i guess we played since but there were two shows we did with them in connecticut and at the capitol theater in portchester new york back-to-back nights and it was the last show that we ever did with my with our drummer who was with me for um almost 14 years a guy named Polly triff who was our friend and we loved him and we lost him after that he got sick we didn't know he was sick and and um and he left us, but that was, those were the last gigs um, he did with us. I always think of those because the band was hot and we were really, I've looked back at the tapes, you know, it wasn't just in my mind, like, Oh man, we were really hitting our stride. And um, so that those stick in my mind is boy, it's all a lot of really good things are happening here. And, you know, we missed that guy. I'm glad that was his last gig to play something so great. And he was up on the stage in the encore too, with his tambourine and singing and we were having a ball. So that was a good one. Cool. And so just for those listening who may be aspiring singer-songwriters or wanting to get into the same facet uh, that you you are in, uh, what advice would you give them as far as cutting teeth? What do they need to do? I would say refrigeration repair or or truck driving is what they do. <laughs> no. no, you know what? I would say, like, shoot, if I um, – if I knew anything, I would, I would tell you, I mean, I'm trying to figure out every day, like, you know, but uh, I know that I'm happiest when I'm writing things that I feel like are honest, that sound like I want to sound. One thing I got hip to years ago was, you know what I need to do? There's when I complain about, there aren't these kind of bands I love. And I started to think like, well, what songs do I, well, what would I be if I could be the thing I'm always complaining? It doesn't exist. You know, like, like be that thing. And yeah. I would tell people, I guess, if they ask, like, you know, find the vacuum and, and see what would you what is missing that you like to listen. You drive around, your friends crank it up in the car, and like, what do you want to hear? Or if you're at home and you're trying to get your head together, like, what do you want to hear? Like, what works in the world? And then, you know, try to try to provide that. You know, try to try to do a thing that makes you feel like that's what you would listen to. Like, I just finished cutting a song with my producer and buddy David Beta in Austin. 
couple weeks ago and I remember listening to the playback and turning to him and saying like, this is the kind of stuff I love. (laughs) So, so, you know, write what you, they say, write what you know, but write what you love too. (laughs) All right. And one last question to walk out of the door. And thank you so much for your time. And uh, I really enjoyed this. Me too. uh, What was your favorite part about this interview? About, about what? About this interview. Oh, shoot. Well, we got it done. That means we figured out all the space phone technology. Yeah. And uh, we have and gone that, to space. Uh, <laughs> and, and that, uh, you know, I, no, no, uh, seriously, you, you know, I do these things once in a while. And when somebody asks you um, questions that make you think and they're, and they really do kind of um, fit what you're trying to say, it allows me to start thinking. I'm having a nice time here. I got a little cold drink over there and I'm just thinking about. These are good questions. Yeah, what do I love about that? And how was I feeling back then? And um, that makes it fun. It's just like, you know, talking to a buddy at the bar. So I've, I've enjoyed that. That's, that is the, the porch talk feel. And uh, for that, <laughs> you are welcome. Chris, I'd love to uh, have a conversation with you again sometime. And, uh, Absolutely. I hope, you, I hope you have a great night, buddy. You too. Thanks for having me. All right, man. All right. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.